good judgment comes from experience, but experience comes from bad judgment. So, you know, welcome the scars, welcome the hurdles, welcome, you know, the brick walls and the doors that get shut, because those are all signs of growth and progression, you know, to for somebody to live you know, 50 years of the same year over and over, that's not a life worth living. Welcome what up? to the Habits of the Few, what we got for them? where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. Yeah. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolsi. I'm really thrilled to, to hear that you're persevering. That's phenomenal. Um, and, and, and being able to grow at a time like this is, you know, it's a testament to the ability of the human spirit. And, and, you know, it's just, I've seen, and I've heard too many people fall flat on their face during this time, during the economic time and the shift in the new normal. And, uh, you know, to, to see people actually thrive is a blessing. So I love that, man. Um, why don't you give me a little bit about, Yeah. Why don't you give me a little, the viewers a little bit about, just to give you perspective, I would say uh, the majority is between 26 to 35 years of age, predominantly male. And from the feedback that I've gotten, um, a lot of these guys, they, they either want to, they either want to succeed in the career path that they're choosing, or they're having complications with figuring out which avenue to take. How was it that you were able to figure out the path that, that, that has led you to your success today? Um, and and what, kind of, what kind of disciplines and, and mindsets that you had to develop and, 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 and really nurture in the beginning um, to become the man that you are today? What, what did you have to go through from, from, the, from the start? Well, thanks for giving me all the small questions right up front. Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, what's up, bros? 25 to 35-year-old males. Um, yeah, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say like I've arrived by any means. I, I've learned more these last, you know, really from March to where we're at now in terms of density of, of, of learning and whether that be through scars or, you know, through trophies. It's It's been, you know, a, a season of just learning and growing and developing and more than any other time that I've had um, in that you know, in, in that type of mindset. And you, that's, that's the whole thing is just, you got to have that growth mindset and understand, you know, what the controllables and uncontrollables are. And that when you're, you know, you're in a situation that, you know, it's, you're looking, you're holding the around, around block in your hand and staring at a square hole, like, all right, well, how are you going to adapt and overcome this? You know, I think that there's a, a really good book on just the subject of resilience. And that's the title of the book, Resilience. Um, I got it from one of our clients who's a financial planner and local in the area, um, Rice Financial Group, if you guys look them up. I mean, Ian is phenomenal at mindset and growth and knows, you know, in the ins and outs of the financial business, but also, you know, sets his business up from a, a mindset standpoint. And, you know, if you're on the same page in terms of your morals and your mindset and your trajectory, then you can, you know, reach for the stars and land on the moon, if not hit the stars and beyond. But uh, so that, Eric Greiden's book, Resilience, talks about, you know, just what the scars do and, and that they're supposed to come. So, you know, my, one of my takeaways from that is that, you know, good judgment comes from experience, but experience comes from bad judgment. So, you know, welcome the scars, welcome the hurdles, welcome, you know, the brick walls and the doors that get shut, because those are all signs of growth and progression, you know, to for somebody to live you know 50 years of the same year over and over that's not a life worth living 
and that you know even you know times of 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 elevation and success that comes you know by definition a mountain is a peak with two valleys on each side and so if you're struggling you're going up you're going to be hitting a peak and if once you get to that height you know business wise or even training wise and to your ability or to the whatever the market is 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 flexible enough and what your offerings are or what your training program you know gets you to either you're going to be coming down in another valley that's going to be surrounded by another peak or you know you adapt and continue to grow and those trends business-wise or training-wise are are what will you know indicate your long-term success um, ray dalio has a lot of really good uh online he's just a financial guru but he's got some good basic like infographic quick snippets on youtube on you know how economies fluctuate and these micro currents and micro fluctuations within the large waves over time and such as business and such as training along with the economy so if you can take you know take those lessons from outside of your industry or outside of your wheelhouse and apply the principles to what you're doing you're going to have success no matter what but just keeping that growth mindset and welcoming the the doors that you know get shut in your face and those bruises and scars teach you lessons because you're not going to touch a hot stove and get burned again you know or you're a fool and you will so it's it just you know it's just staying in that mindset and trying to stay within the margins of that and also not go crazy at the same time when the, when you do get burned. Right. And I think that's, I would say that's the most difficult is, is once you do get burned, you know, I, I think it becomes a point to really make it apparent that I think at that point you become either strongly willful or you fall down and you can't get yourself back up. Yeah. And, and, and it's so true. And I think like a lot of people today, more than ever, I have found to have a real brittle spirit. Um, I think, yeah. I think, I think will is, is a means of adaptation. I mean, I always compare it to like a muscle. You want to get the muscle stronger, you have to tear it down and then you got to feed it all the good stuff so that it can grow and adapt and, and so on and so totally. forth. Right. So it's, there's, there's not much difference there. How, how did you develop? Or let me ask you this, what, what made you uh, decide to become a coach? Because I have found that the most successful coaches are the best students in, in their craft and just in life in general. And I know that you are an incredible student. Um, so what, what was yeah, it that- Last 15 to 20 seconds here, you've broken up and you're oh, a little frozen there, buddy. Oh, sorry. Uh, I have found that the best coaches in the world in any industry are some of the best students. And, and a lot of times I have found that the people that decide to be coaches never really wanted necessarily to become coaches. They have just positioned themselves in, in such a credible standpoint that people just started gravitating towards them. And I've noticed that people have naturally gravitated towards you wanting to learn from you. Um, what has led you to become a coach? Like, what was it? Was there like a point in time where like, oh, this is what I want to do? Or was it a, like a myriad of a circumstance that kind of, it was like the, the universe and God and whatever you believe in was w walking you towards that gate? Yeah, I mean, I think all of us have a, a unique gift that nobody else has. And you see that all the time. And you know the, the social media world like you're trying to be somebody else 
you're doing, yeah. you're never going to give your chance to actually be who you were meant to be and be yourself, you know, and try to replicate other people. Um, and I think that, you know, what my gift is my passion and my passion is, you know, helping people just in general. And I, I found the best avenue for that and best outlet for me, for other people was to help them, you know, physically help them, you know, nutritionally help them with their lifestyle emotionally and even spiritually goes in that and any coach that tells you like oh there's no you know there's no emotional or spiritual component to what they do it doesn't necessarily have to be you know the bible or you know the quran or you know the mormon bible it doesn't have to necessarily be that in terms of that relationship i think that you know if you surround yourself with people that are like-minded in that sphere you're only going to have better success nobody can serve everybody anyway and if you're even though there has to be a component toward to what you do as a coach to be, you know, amicable and amiable and be able to mirror and match your people. You know, if you're in a like-minded group, you're only going to accelerate the, that progress that much faster. So for me, you know, it was, it was just a, a scenario of, you know, I truthfully, it's like an addiction. Like I love helping people. I love making sure that, you know, showing somebody that, that, you know, what their true, you know, expression, their true abilities and their true potential can actually be, through an avenue of physical training and that that has so much tapping into, you know, the, the physiological stuff and, and everything else within that. And, you know, some days, you know, when I'm training people, it's, it's, you know, about smashing some major kilos and hitting PRs and pushing yourself. And, you know, other days it's just about therapy. You know, it's just about working in, I'm not saying I'm a therapist. I'm just saying coming in and actually, you know, touching a barbell, that's just a plus, right? And you're just trying to stack up as many plus as you can. You come in and I tell people all the time in our, you know, our CrossFit memberships, not, you know, in our personal training and your personal training too, that, you know, if you come in and you just touch my front door, you got to get your, you got to put yourself a plus. We have people that have water bottles that walk around that have a T chart and it's just plus, 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 minus, minus, minus for days that they did. So if you just stack up your average and improve your average of that, like you're, you're going to be successful in, you know, in what we offer here in our services and our program. But for me, again, it was just, you know, scratching an itch of, of helping somebody and helping them realize their potential and showing them an avenue. And even if they don't work with me, you know, as, as long-term as possible. And, we, and I think that a lot of coaches try and turn burning as much volume and smash as many session, sessions and get as many referrals as possible and just try to over cram their business and then thin themselves out and dilute their service and dilute their results and, and their reach, you know, and coaches trying to be, you know, the best in the world. Like, dude, why don't you be the best in your neighborhood first and then take it from there and build from there. Um, but yeah, no, just to, to tap on 100%. that again, for me, it was, it was just the, the, you know, the reason that I had pursued this in, you know, this is my 16th year as of June 1st. And, you know, every wow. year, every June, I look back and I analyze like, all right, am I, Am I further into my goals? Am I continuing to help people? Am I improving in my learning? Am I growing as a business, growing, developing? Am I happy? Is my family thriving and the amount of time I'm putting in this? Like, so there's a lot of analysis into it as opposed to just like, you know, I talked to a coach uh, just yesterday and asked him a little bit about what his business philosophies are and all that. He's like, you know, what his plan was six months, 12 months down the road and how he wants to grow. I was like, oh yeah, no, we'll just, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm like, I don't like that answer. <laughs> it's like straight up. It's, that's you got to be thinking a little bit larger scale because there's so much information out there. And, and truthfully, you know, it's, it's kind of goofy um, that the fact that, you know, my business exists just uh, as a, as hoops to jump through, so to speak in the, just the rough, you know, uh, analytic objective, look at it just so that we can have a physical prep, you know, 
a semblance to even be on the, at the same table with our ancestors physically. It's, I mean, it's kind of goofy that, you know, we create essentially fake work just so that we can maintain and compensate for, you know, poor lifestyle or just, you know, laziness growing up or lack of physical, you know, uh, ability and prowess from, you know, how we grew up, all that stuff. Um, sorry, kind of tailed off there, but. No, yeah, no I, I, I didn't even realize it. Like I didn't even look at it from that perspective until you just said that. That's crazy. Oh, fake work? Yeah, that is crazy. That's exactly <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> oh yeah, my God. we. Uh, my wife and I went traveling um, last summer, and we were on an island, and uh, this was a little bit bigger island. Um, yeah. And I was, we were driving around to one, the other side of where we were staying, and I noticed like all these, you know, because it's it's basically a volcano ancient volcano and so it, you know it's it's land just like in the other island and so what these ancient people had done is they built you know these yards these brick fences that was you know it was probably you know 100 feet by 100 feet and they were just scattered everywhere and the amount of time it takes to you know you couldn't uber excuse me you couldn't you know just amazon prime jeff bezos wouldn't helicopter drop you a rock fence you had to build that with your sweat and your tears you know and, and your mm -hmm. blood and it, it either the work got done or it didn't. It was a one or a zero. Either you had field and you had crops and you were able to eat, your family survived and thrived and grew, or you just didn't, or you had to be a fisherman, whatever it was. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just the, the physical, you know, requirements to navigate this world successfully are, uh, are so much more of a uh, necessary evil, I would say, <laughs> compared to just a necessity, necessary survival in the past, but I think mean, that doesn't change my, my take on it. Obviously I, I do the same thing. You know, my, my life style is, you know, outside of training outside the gym is one of <laughs> fairly sedentary outside of doing yard work and, you know, helping people move and blah, blah, blah. So. So while we're on the subject for our um, local audience here, why don't you tell them a little bit about what it is that you do and how you can help them? Oh yeah. I um, mean, we're in Tualatin, Oregon. Um, my gym's CrossFit BYB. Our weightlifting club is BYB Strengths. Um, so we just offer, you know, a, a fantastic community of really hardworking people that, you know, check their egos at the door and want to see, you know, want to see results through our program, safety through our program, feel better, look better, perform better. And, you know, they want to encourage one another. Um, our front end of our business has a little bit more unique um, offerings than most uh, CrossFit boxes. And it's, you know, the CrossFit name itself has gone through changes and the offerings of CrossFit gyms in themselves has kind of, you know, gone through a maturation, but the zoning is a little bit goofy. So our, we have a couple more offerings in our front end. We have a full recovery room, which is what I'm in right now. I'm sitting right next to our infrared sauna. Um, and we have compression boots here um, available for as a free amenity for all of our members. And we also have a full-time massage therapist, Jessica. She's fantastic. She crosses with us. I would say that our CrossFit program is a bit progressive in the sense of CrossFit, um, but more traditional in the sense of strength and conditioning. You know, a, a lot of our, you know, you know, 60% of our dollar is spent on accessory work, accessory work, just little things. And we're doing prime mover work and heart rate work, all that stuff. We talk about programming, but and then, you know, the other side of our business too is, you know, a, a large amount of personal training where, you know, the way that I kind of um, present personal training is if Mo, you were, you were looking to, you know, start a, a, you know, add a physical component to a sedentary lifestyle and you went and you're like, all right, I don't know where to start. I'm going to go into Barnes and Noble and 
uh, which used to be a, what's called a bookstore where you could go and buy these hard copies. What are those? Paper. I know it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You, you would actually drive or, or even walk or bike or transit to this place, but you go into the bookstore, right? And then you go into the, uh, in, into the exercise or the recreational side of it. And you see, all right, there's a Pilates book. There's a, a marathon running book. There's a CrossFit book. And then there's another book with your face on it. And it says most training 2020. And, you know, your program from right where you are, right, this, you know, this pin drop on the map location to where you want to go. And that's what our personal training is. It's, it's completely custom fit to exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And we have people from all different walks of life, people with, you know, they've come out of surgeries in the past and, you know, want to get, you know, want to feel free and have physical freedom. And then people that are just trying to increase their performance. Um, I just got done coaching a gal that is a, a she's ready to break some national records in weightlifting and then has the potential whenever this the world opens up for international weightlifting to go and compete for the united states uh, in her asian weight category as a master's female weightlifter for a medal and she's like tuned up super well for it and the unfortunate part is we just don't know when it's going to open up so she's just chomping at the bit to go and destroy some kilos so yeah i mean that's essentially our business from top to bottom in the in the rough draft sense but yeah we're here in Tualatin, oregon crossfit byb um yeah just drop drop us a note and, and we, we still help people outside the area um i'm not shunning you know people that want to want to reach out to us and and are looking for help because that's the name of the game for us we just want to help as many people as possible but do you offer any support. like online online types of uh help yeah i i you know when i was just doing personal training only and we didn't have the actual facility um i was training in a boutique i had more of the online presence um you know, it's truthfully, it's not my passion to, to do, you know, this mass online. I, you know, I'm sure that there's a, a big market for it, but I really crave the, you know, the one-on-one interaction. I think that there's so much communication that gets lost, whether it's just, you know, lack of insight or lack of, um, you know, your ability to read somebody or full communication that gets lost in text or email or even in, I mean, I think, you know, Zoom is a is a great platform, but still, it's it's hard to read like your heart rate and your breath rate, and you know how how you're thinking and how you're you know how you're reacting to what I'm saying and how you're giving me information. There's a there's a lot that gets lost in that, and to say it's the same is I think a you know truthfully it's an abomination abomination to what this industry can really do for people. Not that you know people don't get results, and there's not a a virtual community. There's a lot of online offerings and teams that I think are doing a good job, and I commend those people. It's not necessarily my my passion, um, but yeah, we've we've done online training in the past and program design and all that. And I still do a, a bit of that specifically for weightlifting. It's just not kind of my main focus as my business expands and grows, and we can have you know more management and more back-end work on our business that frees me up to do that. It might be an offering. It might just be, you know, some that I don't really ever pursue, but yeah, I really crave the, you know, just that, that one-on-one or in that group that, <laughs> that literally in the same room, physical interaction. So yeah, not, not right now, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, closed off to it. It has to be more the right person, I would say, rather than, you know, somebody that's driven and has access and it's going to much more of a, of a Viking, you know, marauder soldier, on their own to for me to really trust putting that stuff out there otherwise like you know it's just it's not gonna be a good use of my time and, and be a frustration for that person and not a good use of their time or finance totally. either so yeah i know it's it's good to say that or probably hear that in the age and the era especially with all the covid stuff but 
I, I mean, I want to be in front of people and I want people in front of me. I, I mean, I agree with you uh, 100%. I think the only way that, that, that something like that can work is that if they have, you know, a lot of drive and are disciplined and, you know, the, the want is greater than the need. Um, so, yeah, so just, I just wanted to add to that. Uh, everybody that's listening, uh, Coach Leaper was literally, I think, my first, my very first personal trainer. But what he did for me was that he opened my eyes to a whole new world of training and understanding far different from what the norm and, and, and that has been, you know, popularized by mediocre trainers and philosophers in the field. Um, his, his vast knowledge is so insane uh, that even just to pick his brain would do more, more for you than spending thousands of dollars with someone that claims to be a fitness guru on Instagram. Just, I want to throw that out there because what I see online is an absolute joke. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I think there's some stuff out there, but it's, it's been such like a, a, a tough, like you know, people trying to just make it such a money grab thing. And it you is. Just, you just it lose is. authenticity. You, you lose reality. And there's just a bunch of just shysters in the game. I mean, to tag on to that, I've probably spent, I don't know, including my degree, probably about 200 grand on just seminars, certifications, recertifications, traveling to meet and, and hang out and learn directly from Charles Poliquin and other, you know, world-class PICP, which at the time was, it was a gold standard. You, you couldn't beat it. And still those guys that are like the old school Poliquin um, international certification program, those level five dudes, like they know their stuff. And you don't really see a, a whole lot of like them in the media outside of like Preston Green, the strength coach for, the uh, Florida Gators basketball team um, just because the, of the conglomerate machine that university of Florida is um, they're, they're in the field. They're, you know, they're freaking smashing and, and knocking out, you know, their, their clients and their sessions and, and they're actually putting in the work as opposed to, you know, they don't have the time or the desire to just sit there and talk about doing the work. So yeah, no, right. I mean, you'll, the cream will rise. And it's funny you said that like all those years ago now it's been, I moved here in 2008. So yeah, it's been 12 years uh, since, since I met you, I would probably say my knowledge base <laughs> compared to now is like maybe like 2% from. Uh, I, I believe but, it. I believe it. Would you say that the PICP, uh, the, that training methodology, would you say even today, even though Charles Poliquin, God rest his soul has, yeah uh you know has left the earth do you still think that that still is the number one as far as like let's say someone wants to get into what you're doing okay they yeah, want to get into the fitness regime yeah it's i mean it's not without faults either um i think that the first two levels the upper body and the lower body um modules are fantastic starts better starts than you know a lot of the competitors out there um i mean that i that i took too but it, it probably had the, in, I, it was one of the first ones that, you know, I took. So it, it had the most influence on me at a young age, which, you know, your cert first certification typically will have that influence um, on you. But like for, for like somebody that's, you know, wanting to train people properly and not, you know, fry people and injure people and, you know, learn through the school of hard knocks and really get some good information. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think that, you know, whether you're training athletes or you're in a CrossFit system, I think that, Charles system was a little bit, um, you know, a, a lot of it was the first introduction of Ian Danny's tempo based, right? So you've got 
your actual timing and your speed on how you're moving a barbell. So somebody squats like, you know, the, the old, you know, the, the most go-to tempo with, you know, in the, the, you at least learned in the level one, level two PICP was like a 401. So that's four seconds eccentric, no pause, one second up, no pause in the top. And you learn to manipulate tempos, all that, but actually taking the time and retention into account of your training programs. And, you know, that was the first that I'd, I'd heard of it. And obviously he didn't make it up, but he's one that definitely popularized that uh, in, in the training. Um, but, you know, where I think it fell short a little bit was, the understanding and the use of, uh, and that was further in the modules, level three, level four, and then level five is just more of a verification of your, of your status as a gold medal or a world champion um, coach of an, of an athlete in a proper discipline, discipline sport. So you can, you know, you couldn't be a PICP five with a bunch of gold medal stamp collectors under your belt. Um, right. <laughs> adding the explosive movements and learning how to properly administer and use the Olympic lifts, I think is fantastic. You know, at, the Olympic lifts especially are, you know, I think that it's there, they tend to be very polarizing, but just like any tool, you know, to a guy with a hammer, everything's a nail. So if you've got, you know, only one, you know, one go-to or one certification, you only view, view the world through that lens or, you know, in that looking at, you know, Charles used to say, you know, somebody that didn't have an understanding or wasn't having, didn't have experience or didn't have multiple certifications. He was looking at the world through a straw and that you're not seeing the full world for what it is. So I think that, you know, taking that lesson, and, you know, applying the Olympic lifts and learning how to do the Olympic lifts. And I've spent a ton of time and money, you know, learning from the best, you know, that I, that I could find um, learning and still study it. Like there's still technical stuff that I personally work on as an athlete or as a, as a coach that, you know, are very beneficial. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think that that's probably, and still those first two modules are just as competitive because the, the, all the information is the same. Biology hasn't changed. We haven't adapted out of, you know, needing posterior chain strength and rotator cuff work and, you know, scapular retraction, all those things for our day-to-day life. But you no, know, it's uh, yeah, very high quality. And I think that you can supplement that, you know, based on what your, you know, what your desires are as a coach to in whatever, you know, I think you combine that with like a USAW, USA weightlifting or catalyst athletics, um, which I've done both. Um, weightlifting course, like you're going to learn some fantastic stuff that, you know, gives you a, a different view of the same, uh, of the same component and allows you that many more tools in your tool chest to, to troubleshoot and to, you know, create variety and keep creating, you know, demand and stimulus and growth in your, uh, your clients. I think that's the, the biggest, and, and from my view, from my lens, from my perspective, the greatest fallacy that I've noticed outside of your your business is that CrossFit gyms, at least the coaches or the owners, and this could have been, you know, this is, uh, I didn't really start, this is from like a couple of years ago. So I don't know what's going on today, but from what I saw a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago, a lot of them tend to not have the background that you have in yeah. strength training to be able to teach proper movement patterns, particularly with the Olympic lifts, which in my opinion have been the ones that really lead to injury far faster than like deadlifting or squatting to be able to take some load and throw it overhead with right. improper technique is like, Oh my God, we have right. some crazy things. So, and, and that to me s- separates you from the majority, right? Is having that expertise and that knowledge base to be able to apply that. Like you said, you have different lenses that you've been able to go and look through and, and adapt and learn all these things, which is incredible to me. Because I don't think most people spend that kind of time 
into really honing their craft unless, unless they want to reach the level of mastery. I think most people just want to cruise by, especially in, in the form of business, just to be able to make money and go on to the next thing yeah. or whatever it is. But you truly are trying to perfect your craft, even though there is no perfection in the world that we live in. But to really achieve the level of mastery is incredible to me. Like I, I am always enamored by it. Mm. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, there's a, uh, we're talking about fees and investments of, of training. Um, I mean, there's a couple of stories. So there's a gal that was, is, I think this is in the fifties or the sixties. She's walking down the street in France and she was kind of a, an art buff, liked art, followed artists. And lo and behold, in a sidewalk cafe, they're sitting having a cappuccino and doodling in his book is Pablo Picasso. The lady just about explodes. Oh my gosh, you're my favorite. I love all of your work. Would you do me the honor and the favor of doing me a quick sketch? Could you, maybe you could do it on a napkin. So he says, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Pulls out the napkin and just goes, gives it to her and says, that'll be a hundred dollars. <laughs> and she goes, why was it a hundred dollars? It took 10 seconds. And Pablo goes, no, it took 40 years to get to that point of mastery. So, you know, you definitely, you certainly, you know, get what you put in and you invest just like anything else, you know, is somebody that's, you know, very, and that's a tough part about, you know, some of the functional fitness and the CrossFit boxes is that it's a very low barrier for entry, do a certification, yeah, pay, you know, sign an affiliate agreement for a year, pay your fee, go get a lease, buy some equipment, Hey, oh my gosh, I was a coach. I thought you were a plumber. Last last month you were a plumber. Like, nah, I changed. So yeah, that's that's a very dangerous position for somebody to walk into. And yeah, you, know, you gotta have passion for sure. And I think a lot of that, you know, the success of those of those box owners that just were, you know, grinders and, and bros and just had a passion just for the physical culture, you know, created a lot. But that's also they they burned a lot of people. I mean, you know the founder himself, you know, originally had people, you know, Oh, you can't do a pull-up strict. Like, all right, well, let's just bounce off your connective tissue and do a bunch of kipping pull-ups and oh. lo and behold, there you are. Like, that's a really dangerous place to be in. And I, and now we, we don't do hardly any of that in our gym. You know, people have to be able to do five strict body weight pull-ups to be able to even, you know, start a kipping. I don't even think kipping's that's that fantastic. I was going to say, what is the benefit of that? Like I see kipping pull-ups and I cringe. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you've got, if you're very well developed and you can do 20, 25 strict pull-ups at body weight, like, nah, don't worry about kipping. I mean, for me, I think my biggest set of kipping is like 35 unbroken, which wow. isn't a ton. You know, there's, you know, the, those elite games level dudes are doing, you know, I would say Cody Anderson could be 75 plus because he's got a ton of gymnastics experience. His body weight is not very high and his, you know, his, his limb length, his torso length, and his body dimensions are just short. And that's why, you know, Matt Frazier's a freaking world champion. He's super strong, super tough, super fit, but also he's got the dimensions, you know, if he's doing a hundred pull-ups and each pull-up is a foot of movement, he's got a hundred feet where a guy that's, you know, got arms that are twice as long, he's doing 200 feet of, of work. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous when you walk into a box like that and somebody's just, you know, throw on the wads on the, you know, even if they don't even do their own programming. And that was, you know, again, CrossFit's blown up big time and it's going through its changes, but, you know, it originally just started with hard work and then you got to kind of polish and like, you know, take away, 
you know, what was bad, what was injurious, what was good and, and, and hone and develop it. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't, we hardly do any, any kipping around here unless it's somebody that's, you know, very strong, very seasoned, has great mobility, pays a ton of attention to their mobility. I personally don't do a whole bunch of kipping or chest bars, you know, in, in multiples like that that aren't strict, you know, my overhead positioning is really, really tight when I do a set of, you know, in a workout that's got 50 kipping pull-ups. So to answer your question, the benefit of it, I mean, they're just using, you know, the kipping's using the upper body in a conditioning sense. That's, that's all it really is. Um, but you're, you know, to a guy that squats, you know, 500 for 10 reps for them to bust out a set of 20 at 315, that's not that big of a deal. You know, and then same thing with the upper body too. So as long as the tissue is strong, it's, it's not that big of an issue. It just depends on what you're trying to work with and what you're currently working with. I don't think long-term it's, it has really any truly true benefits to it. I mean, and in the beginning too, like, you know, CrossFit boxes were, you know, helping chiropractors buy bigger and bigger houses because of that. There's no compliance on the back end. It's just like, all right, output, go do, you know, 21, 15, nine thrusters, and, and pull-ups and then we'll just see you tomorrow and then people can't even like scratch their heads because their arms are so tight and their lats and shoulders are so glued together so yeah it's it's just a tool um but you got to know when to use it and how to use it and how to apply it and when to allow people to use it as opposed to just start on the whiteboard and three two one go and we're gonna see what happens and pick up the broken pieces as uh as they fall what's your uh i appreciate that what what would you pre- what's um I just lost the question. Oh, what do you see? Like, what do you see your company being in the next five, 10, 15 years? Like what, what is your vision? Yeah. I mean, we, we'd like to be in multiple locations. Um, it's, it's tough to say right now, if I, I would have a better, clearer answer to that in January. Um, you know, and we've just been solid continual growth since really day one here, but you know, the last, last 90 days have been an interesting um, position to be in just in general as a small business owner. Um, I wish I had a little bit better answer for that. And we're going through a lot of analysis and as far as like what we want to do and, you know, um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of flex, but we'd still like to be multiple locations, multiple, you know, facilities, multiple States down the road. I'd, I think there's a great market for great coaching and, yeah. you know, quality results and, you know, you know, good leadership and, and people that care about one another. I don't, I don't think that's why I, I don't think the, you know, the online coaching for me, it's not as fulfilling, but I think that the in-person component is always going to have, you know, incredible value to it. You know, just, I think people crave that because you can tell when somebody cares about you and having mm-hmm. those relationships are, are really incredible. I'm not saying that, you know, people pay me for friendship. That's the last thing I want them to do. They, they didn't, they didn't come in and know me as a bro in the beginning and decide to give me money. They came in because, you know, they had a need and, and saw a service of value and, you know, paid an agreeable fee at the end of the day. So, I mean, your service has to match, you know, your, your results have to match, match your service. Did I lose your audio? Are you good? No, good. Oh, cool. Sweet. Um, okay. I, I, I guess just to wrap up, one of the questions that I get predominantly constantly actually is, uh, morning routine. Uh, it's a big one. Uh, I tend to ask a lot of my guests what their morning routine is. You in particular, I will find very interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to find very interesting. Um, if you wouldn't mind divulging that, um, what maybe one of your morning routines or, or one that you're currently using, right? 
right? Uh, optimal morning routine or just kind of the daily as, uh, I mean, I, so I, I mean, your version of optimal, okay. what would you like to, to, yeah, in a, you know, in a perfect world where in a, it would actually truthfully it would change throughout the seasons, you know, so as yeah. you, know, you, you want to be able to get up when the sun gets you up. So your circadian rhythm is just like, you know, perfect. So you're going to be sleeping more in the winter. You're going to be sleeping less in the summer, in the fall and late in the summer, the berries are going to grow. So you're going to eat more carbs. And then in, you know, throughout the summer is those, it's, it's totally, totally okay to find and have that. So I, there's fluctuation, but to, sit, to answer your question is, you know, the reality of, of what I do business wise, um, I'm up at uh, 0500 every day and usually out of the house by 520. So first thing, um, I wake up and uh, my alarm's actually, uh, it's a sunrise alarm. So uh, our room is pitch black. It's usually 70 to 65 degrees in there. Um, I sleep on a grounding mat. So to, to deplete myself of any kind of uh, extra electrolytes, not electrolytes, excuse me, electrons in my body. So I sleep better. It's like I'm sleeping actually on the earth. Uh, the sunrise alarm starts to turn on. So a little bit of light enters uh, the room at about, 450, 4.55, I pretty much always wake up with that. And then at five o'clock, the alarm would go off. Get up, first thing I do is go and uh, have a little cocktail of um, water, one part water, one part, um, or I guess a half part uh, lime juice, half part of apple cider vinegar, uh, down that with, and I put some glutamine and glycine in there, powdered glycine, powdered glutamine in there um and then my coffee's already made get the coffee concoction going um get up go to work um the, i would say probably what i've added um that i've really uh, enjoyed and i think it's uh, a lot of guys in my in my shoes would probably benefit um after i get done training the six o'clock uh client i do uh, uh devotionals with my wife um at at seven o'clock so for a half an hour we're going through the word and we've got three devotional books that we work with. Um, and then, you know, just make sure that we're constantly honoring and, and blessing God with, you know, all of our, all our relationships and thoughts and intentions. Um, I, I'd probably say that's kind of clears up the morning and then I train and coach and do all that throughout the day. But I'd say the morning routine every day, day in, day out, whether I'm in, in the gym is, uh, is that, and then with devotionals, depending on whether I'm training or not. So that's probably been the best thing. Um, I do a grateful log as well, but I think the devotionals is a little bit more powerful because it's intent of, and it's actually inspired word of God for us. So yeah, um, <laughs> you know, God fearing red blooded American that's, you know, is been blessed and honored to do what I do. And, you know, I would be a fool to say that I've done it all on my own. That's, um, that's this absolute truth. You're mad at that, man. That's incredible. I'm uh, I'm glad that uh, we got the opportunity to speak. I've been really looking forward to releasing this. And when, when we got to the point where we can start editing, it was a shitstorm. <laughs> it happens, man. It's all good. Uh, the, the, nothing perfect. Yeah. So I appreciate that. We'll get this dialed in. Um, one final thing. You said a book. I like to always ask, favorite quote, favorite book, just currently at this moment in time. You mentioned resilience. Would you stick with that answer? Dude, resilience is good. It's super good. Um, the most, gosh, I haven't gifted that one um, yet. I need to order some copies. I would. I would say um, resilience, the, probably the book that I've gifted the most is a book called um, With God in Russia. And there's another offshoot of that called He Leadeth Me. 
It's about a, a Jesuit priest that uh, in the after the First World War, after the Russians had killed off all the religious workers, um, the uh, the Pope said we need to replace all these <laughs> murdered uh, priests in you know in the far. Uh, in the Far East. And so this dude at 18 years old said, that's my calling. I'm going to go be a Jesuit priest in uh, Russia. And so it's this tale of of him becoming that, learning Russian, getting over to Russia. And then within the first, you know, 48 hours, he gets arrested and thrown in the Russian gulags. And it's just a story of just the human spirit and human will and perseverance and being grateful for terrible circumstances you know, that you may have as a, as a human, but overcoming those and giving it, you know, seeing it as a blessing. I've, I've probably get to that one more than any other book. I, you know, I buy five copies at a time. That's incredible. I just, I just added it to my Amazon cart. One book in my office, if you come by, you can have it. (laughs) Okay. I appreciate it. Uh, one, one book in particular that, uh, I've, I, I read this, this year, just recently, the past few months is, uh, Will Power Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read it, uh, but uh, pretty pretty powerful. Totally, yeah. I think willpower is a fuel, and yeah, you got you definitely have to invest in it and and use it. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll look that up. Good yeah. exchange there. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time, brother. Um, I will get this edited quickly and <laughs> get it posted. Send you the links. Uh, everybody out there listening in La La Land, I want to get this to ten thousand plays. So please share, like, sub. Send it to your loved ones, your family members, your best friends, your girlfriend, your wife, partner. And uh, I appreciate you all listening. And Jared, thank you so much, my man. Thanks, man. My pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, Mo. Bye-bye.